This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton. I'm joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over the last week at the club. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. And if you're watching the replay, feel free to comment. We do reply to the comments on the replays. Um, if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a platform a review on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. Yep. Fine, good. I, I think this might be the best week in the history of our podcast in terms of results and performances going back four years the entire Ole reign and we had some good highlights in the Ole reign don't get me wrong but in terms of what it means and obviously silverware as well um there's nothing that matches this um Manchester United 2, Barcelona 1, Manchester United 2, Newcastle 0. We'll start with the Newcastle because it's fresher in the brain God, I mean, what a test. What a perfect final for Ten Hag uh, to be tested first time around. I mean, a team hungry for their first trophy in generations. A club who have been taken over, so can probably expect that that wait will not be much longer. Um, big support that they brought down added to the atmosphere. Adding into that, they're a horrible team to play against tactically. He, he said so in the um, pre-match press conference where he said that they're annoying to play against. So it was obvious that United were going to need that first goal. So interesting to see his sort of tactical setup for that as well. Um, and United sort of came through it. I mean, obviously, uh, it was a similar 11 to the one that played against them at Old Trafford. Everyone was sort of looking at them to see what they were going to do, the combinations. It's becoming a little bit clearer about, you know, if you play Wan-Bissaka, um, Anthony in front of him is not always the best option because he needs someone to overlap and create space. All those little kind of combinations are starting to become clear now. Um, but he went with Dallo and he went with Anthony. So it was obviously he was going to go for a bold start and take the game to Newcastle. And United were rewarded for that after a sort of I think Newcastle were fairly surprising in the way that they started because they tried to sort of take advantage of United being a little bit leggy from from Thursday night. They were hoping to get a little bit of uh, weariness in the legs defend defensively, and maybe they they were advantageous in finding space. 
I mean, they, we were just talking before, Paul, that maybe that had to do with, um, you know, the defenders being exposed a little bit. But once United rode that storm and they got the first goal, they were completely in control. The first goal was always going to be the decisive one in this game. If it was Newcastle who scored it, it would have made it a horrible spectacle. United scored it and made it a more open game. They were able to score that second. And from then on, um, pretty much the second half was a celebration because United sort of knew that. <coughs> It's going to be very difficult for Newcastle to score three goals. The celebration, six years is a long time to wait for United to win a trophy. As spoiled as that sounds, it is. Um, but Ten Hag, again, substitutions right, management right, um, a victory for him. A victory for United, but definitely a victory for Ten Hag. Um, what did you make of it? Well, I think you said a lot of it there, Wayne, anyway. <clears throat> you, you said it all. All I can do is to just try and just try and put a little bit more kind of frills on it, really, which I don't think I can because everything you've just said there, just said what the game was about, the way Newcastle started surprised me because I talked about, had an idea of what I thought I was expecting. I didn't really get it. There was quite open. I thought that was good. That would give United, I should say Manchester United, an opportunity to get on the ball, but they didn't really. Um, the, the midfield three, didn't get control of the game and it was more about Newcastle going forward, especially on their right-hand sides. Yes, the other side, when you look, um, St. Maximin was causing Dallow problems and Dallow ends up getting a, a silly booking again. Um, it, put, it put him under pressure because he's not the best defender, hasn't got the change of pace and the, half, um, the substitution at half-time was... was was brilliant. I was expecting Wan-Bissaka at start just because of who was playing on the left-hand side for Newcastle. I like to think that um, that um, Ten Hag realised he'd made a mistake and he rectified it straight away rather than crossing his fingers and hoping that it works out. But it could have been down to 10 men. I did know that as well that if he could have got the third goal, I think Fred would have been off a lot earlier than what he was in that sense because he didn't want him getting one. But yeah. I think we have, we have to say all round is that up against a very, very difficult side, which I think is an upmarket Bournemouth in the, man, in the manner in which they want to play. I mean, as we saw that a few times, you, you touch them on the ankle and they hold their heads. Yeah. So um, that's, that's the way they're kind of playing. And, and, you know, they're using, they're using the, um, the rules, you know, to the best, to the best they can really. And, to kind of stop games, to stop momentum. But United, United never really got going. But when you scored the first goal, and it was important, the first goal, it was a, it was a cliche, and I tried my best. I never said it, but I did want to say the first goal is so important, but I meant I, what I really wanted to say was it's so important for Manchester United to score the first goal. Yeah. But I wasn't working for Manchester United. I was working for another radio station, so I couldn't come out and say that. But if, if Newcastle had scored the first goal, it mostly would have put me on the down because I knew it was going to be then the kind of game where everyone had hoped, hoped that they hadn't driven down 190, 120 miles down, 220 miles down from Manchester. Because yeah. it, would it wouldn't have been one to talk about. But then when they got the second one deflected, I, I honestly thought initially, you know, because even though it had been deflected off of Botman, I thought it was it was on target, but I've been proven wrong because a goal hasn't gone to Rashford and he did hit with his left foot, so there was half a chance it might not have been going on target anyway. But um, once they got the second one, 
I thought myself, and you're always worried at 2-0 anyway, but I think Newcastle showed that what they had at the start, they, they can't go on. They'd, they've reached a limit at the moment with the squad they've got for this season. They can't go any further than where they are. You know, it'd be interesting to see what happens to them now in the league because you're looking then for them to break a team down and they haven't got it, to be perfect. I think um, Isak made a difference when he came on. Yeah. Um, you know, good change of pace. But when you look at their best two players are a central midfield player and a right back, then you know that Newcastle has still got that little bit more to go if they want to get to their, you know, get to what they want more than anything. They want the trophy. If they get Champions League football, they'd be happy. Yeah. Those fans would be more more happy with a trophy. Yeah. And, well, United are the ones who've got it. Thanks, first of all, to Casemiro's first goal. Uh, we'll talk about him now. So, T2 that is us says, good morning, gents. Quietly efficient yesterday. Just didn't see us losing at any point once it's over and Leecher and Casemiro on the team sheet. And Casemiro gets the man of the match. He scores the opening goal. A great header, Paul. And then from then on, it's his, you know, just like Old Trafford's his pitch. Wembley became his pitch. He just absolutely bossed it, didn't he? Oh, he did, yeah. I mean, it's just... It's absolutely incredible how I don't think any player has ever grabbed the fans as quick as this since Eric, to be yeah. perfectly honest. No okay. no one has. No one, you know, players have come and, you know, one matter caught the heart of everybody. I mean, one matter had his own banner around the ground and, you know, but no, he's, he's done it. He's done it as quick as Eric, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Someone might come and say he's done it quicker, but who am I to, to guess about, you know, guess over a few weeks or months, whatever, but... It's everything about him, and when you remember that, you know, someone on TV said that he's, you know, he's come to United for the money, and yeah. then you see what he's doing. He can have as much as he wants. I think a lot of fans would say anyway. Yeah. Because I think what they what they're seeing now, they're dead, like everyone else, we'd all we'd all watch Real Madrid, but we didn't look at Casemiro, and yeah. we suddenly seen that he was someone who was told to do a job, and he'd done his job, and it was yeah. as simple as that. All of a sudden now. He's expressing himself, and you're suddenly seeing that he's, you know, he is looking what everybody likes to say, got a great player, and he's Brazilian. Yeah. You know, and he's even actually brought out a bit of Brazilian in Fred, to yeah. be fair to him. He gives a little bit back, and, you know, Fred's having his best time because he's enjoying playing with him as well. And, you know, he's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to see a, a, a player who actually has come and understands it and grabs hold of it, grabs hold of everything. and. It's like, it's like one of them I always say to people is that when you play for United and things are going really well, the last thing you want is not to be on the pitch. Yeah. It's the worst worst club to be at if you're not on the pitch because there's so much going on. The adulation, I use that word a lot when I talk about United. It's, you, you, you can't get that. You can go to other sides and you'll get it, but you won't get it anything, anything better than being at Manchester United because everyone, even though if they hate it, they just they see it and they get it what what the club is about and so many non Manchester United fans in certain ways are, they can't say anything bad because they're seeing the side that suddenly always been there being talked about most of it for the wrong reasons for the for the wrong reasons the wrong press everything that was wrong was being said about Manchester United up until seven eight months ago and it has flipped absolutely incredible who would have yeah. thought after Brighton and Brentford that United would be where they are now with a, with a trophy in March. Sorry, in February. It's absolutely incredible. And we're in a great position at this time of the season 
to guarantee a Champions League spot as well. That's been a long time in coming as well that the club are in that kind of position, Wayne. Yeah, it's remarkable. Um, and yeah, we should then spend a little bit of time talking about Ten Hag. Patrick says, good day, gents. What impressed me is that Ten Hag set the team up to win. By that, the football wasn't flowing, but we were efficient and solid. Subs were made to get us the trophy. And I think he, he said as much in his post-match uh, thing. He said, like, yeah, all right, it wasn't the best performance, but it, it was efficient and it's what we needed to get the win. And I think... That's the point. Another point here from Patrick, we weren't, we weren't great, but nobody's going to remember that. Champagne football will come over the next 12 months or so with more 10 hour signings. Yeah, and you know we'll take the economy of the performance considering. I think what it was that impressed me most about 10 hour is that it was a very emotional day for many reasons. Obviously for Newcastle fans to get to a final. And, I, and I'm, by the way, if I, when I'm, I'm referencing this, I'm not being patronising to Newcastle fans. It obviously meant a lot for them to go down there. They came down in numbers. When we arrived at Wembley, all we saw was Newcastle fans at first, partly due to the area we parked in. But secondly, they, they come down in numbers. They come down like, you know, you can't um, say anything about that. The support was great. And they've only seen one cup final in a long time. Well, a couple of cup finals in a long time. One against us, I think one against Arsenal the year before. And before that, you know, it's been a long time since they've won a trophy. So you knew it was a massively emotional day for them. It was a massively emotional day for us because we're so connected with the team at the moment. It's kind of like, what are we going to do here? Is the occasion going to let us down? And the players stood up to it. And most of all, what you want to see in that situation, Paul, and what we did see was the manager separate of the emotion. He separated the emotion from the occasion. He's, he's made clinical decisions. He's not bothered about the spectacle. In a way that Eddie Howe isn't, he was bothered about winning. So, yes, all right, Dallow didn't play great in the first half, but he's still a fairly clinical decision to bring off a right-back at half-time to sort of show, you know what I mean? It's a fairly sort of cold decision to say, all right, we're just going to tighten it up there. And Wan-Bissaka, like you said, by the end, even though it was Casemiro's game, Wan-Bissaka's got a fair shout to be man of the match at the end, he played that well. Um, so we've got to give kudos then to Ten Hag because his decisions in the way that he set up for, to start the game, even though it was, you know, we rode our luck a little bit, he, he managed it perfectly, didn't he? Oh, he did. Absolutely. There was, I mean, I was getting quite frustrated when I was, you know, just in a way that in the second half, it's just you just wanted just to get hold of the ball and keep it. But still, it seemed a little bit every time went forward and it was given away cheaply. It was poor decisions with the ball, not making the easy pass. And I think they're all the things that Ten Hag would talk about. There were so many opportunities to counter, but in a fashion to say, can't do it, come back, start again, take the sting away. Yeah. And they and he'd never done it. The ball was going straight back. No one was no one was calming it down. When it was it was falling predominantly everything was between Rashford and Fernandez and both of them were guilty of giving the ball away cheaply by trying to beat people when it was unnecessary. You could see two players around come out and start again, which is quite basic, to be perfect. And it's all levels of football. If you're not sure about one avenue ain't working, come out and start again. Never done it. And it needed somebody just to turn around and shout that. Someone just to really do it. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I mean what, I'm, what I'm alluding to is that still Fernandez, as much as he's got that armband, he's not a captain. In that sense, if you'd had a Roy there, if you had a Robbo there, even if you even had a Paul Ince there, 
Ince would have been going mad. He would have been screaming at you to keep it, to come back and start again. Yeah. And 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 you haven't got that with a Fernandez as a captain because he he's so wrapped up in his own game, trying to get things going. He doesn't take that extra breath and be unselfish and think about about the rest of the team. You know, the one at the end, he had that, he had that shot at the end, I think, right at the end. He could have passed that ball a lot earlier. Sancho yeah. was just there, middle of goal, but he kept going himself at the end. Gives it to Sancho, 3-0. Sancho would have run straight to him. It's a bit like um, League Cup final <clears throat> against Nottingham Forest. Paul Wintz does, all the, does the work and well, he gives Chelsea. it... Chelsea. No, sorry, yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He does all... Sorry, Chelsea. I do apologise. He does all that work and he could have gone on and made it an incredible goal. If he goes in the back of the net, everyone's going, wow. Paul Ince just goes, bang. You have you have and Brian McClare, but make sure you come to me and you thank me. But you think... It's a very interesting point that you make there. Do you think that that's like early cup final... Not nerves, but inexperience. Like if they get into, let's say, two or three more cup finals in two years' time, Bruno's laying that ball on for Sancho. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do get that, and I, I was a hundred percent. I do get that, uh, and, and you are right in that one way. And I think, I think, yeah, that's that would come into it. But I mean, then we look at Newcastle. And we talk about Newcastle. As good as they've done, you could see that they've still got a long, long way to go. They lack yeah. they lack that maturity. The players, a lot of the players, didn't have a clue. You could see, yeah, Kieran Trippier was the one with the experience. Everything about him was calm, calculated. He was their best player. Over yeah. all that ninety minutes, he was Newcastle's best player. I don't, I can't I'm trying to think how many mistakes he made, but he was their big. He was their threat on the right hand side, their right back. Yeah, you know, he was their threat, and if. If Liverpool, which they've stopped doing it now, if Liverpool fans keep on about um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, then, to be honest, they are like wearing their, their blinkers because Kieran Trippier, is a, for me, is a much better player going forward than Trent Alexander-Arnold. He doesn't have to knock a crossing to get an assist to make him, a, to, for everyone to go, he's a good player. He doesn't, he doesn't need stats to prove he's a good player. You watch Kieran Trippier... And you would turn around, I think a lot of United fans would turn around and say, I'd like him to play for, play for us. Yeah. Well, it's without, funny you said that. Without a doubt. When, when he played for Atletico Madrid, there was talk that Oli wanted him, wasn't there? And that then seemed like a very smart signing. But I think when United went in for him, they, they added like 15 million on the price. So when Newcastle eventually got him, they got him for the price that United wanted to get him for. Um, and he would have been a, a very smart signing. Just on that, because we did have a, a comment uh, on this, Gemwill, uh, or Gemwill, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. As thoughts on the right back sorted for now. I'm, I'm interested on your thoughts. Like, obviously, it's your specialist position. We've talked about this before. It still that's feels a, to that's, me. That's up, for, that's, that's up for questioning. Well, okay. <laughs> In my opinion. Um, so, so, um, I still think like both of them are playing really well. Both of both of them are playing above what I expect of them. But it is still a level of concern that the manager feels that he does have to make changes, like horses for courses, depending on who we're playing against. And ideally, what you want is someone who can do both sides of it without having to make that change. And I think that's where we are. Right, you'd be looking at someone who he he can trust to play against any opponent and any team with the knowledge that 
there is still a really good um, right back in there to make that change. You know what I mean? Like it's a good argument to have with Dallo and Wambasaka as opposed to twelve months ago when when the confidence was through the floor. Yeah, I mean, in that side of it, and both of them has, <clears throat> have stepped forward. Dallo, Dallo's issues were, I think, just the management side of it was affecting him. He, he didn't know where he was. He was a young lad, come across a different country. The club was all over the place. Players where there was discontent in the dressing room. I think the, I think the Ronaldo situation could have been affecting him as well. His fellow countrymen, he might have felt a little bit of an awe of him, and the whole thing wasn't right. And since since Ronaldo's gone, he has stepped on. To be perfectly honest, he has moved on this season. He has moved on, but. I think the biggest transformation really has been Wade Pasaka. Yeah. Because his, his, game, his game has improved. We know one area which didn't need improving was him defensively. But in fact, it has improved because he is not going to ground as much. Nowhere yeah. near something. I mean, he comes on and his challenges were, was, you know, virtually, it's like he could put a napkin into the top, his top, in, down his collar and everything was just so neat and tidy. It was... It was great. It was great to watch it, and and me being, you know, in the fullback union, it's good that fullbacks do get mentioned more now. But everyone wants to talk about this, the way this new revolution, new revolutionary way of playing as a fullback and going forward. I still think the old way of putting the fullback matters more because yeah. you have to defend. Yeah. That's the most important thing when you're wearing a number two on your back, or you used to wear a number two as a right back. But that's the most important thing. Can you defend? Is that man, that winger, is he going to get on your, on your, beyond you and get to the byline of the ball? And if you can stop that, you're doing your job. But one Bissaka can do that. He does do that because no one got across beyond him. But as soon as he gets onto that pitch, within two minutes, he's going forward and he's inside the opponent's box, playing the pass in the summer. And I think it, I think it caused an issue in that defence yeah. in Newcastle. So he stepped on. In answer to, I think, what was just said there, um, let's put it this way, there's players that I think Ten Hag wants to get or would like to improve the side. Everyone knows when you talk about improving now, you're talking about the, if he's allowed to do what, he, what everyone wants him to do, you're talking about going out to buy players to go and compete for the Premier League title. Yeah. That's, that's the only way it can be. You know, three years time issue talk has gone. You know, yeah. we, you know, all of us have got to stop saying that because it can be done a different way. Football has changed that little bit now, so that can be done. But the priority, he can, he's got priorities, but the fullback is not one of them where he's desperate. If the right player comes along who he wants, I say, yes, I want him. But if he doesn't, he doesn't have to go and chase somebody because he does, doesn't think, he, you know, he hasn't got, that's not a major concern. It's not a major I don't think it's a major concern now to the Manchester United fans. Hmm. Where it was, yeah. it was before that right back. I was saying it, and it hurt me to say it because I was always a big fan of Wan Bissaka. But now, I'm seeing what's happened this season, and I'm thinking now he can only go on and on because now he's being properly coached. He now feels part of it because the club isn't disjointed anymore. Everything has got together. So I think there's an opportunity. Now, when you look at everything now for United, whatever player he goes out and gets, he goes and gets in the summer, it's got to be players you go, oh, blimey, he's going he's gonna to take his place. Yeah. Oh, that, 
And that's what you can't don't you can't go and get players to squad players who, who do, oh yeah, you can see him, he's gonna sit on the side. That isn't good enough. You want yeah. players who you know who, who could go straight in and improve it, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is with Ten Hag, we said this time and time and time again, his decision-making is unbelievable. In terms of man management from starting games, even when he has, you know, if if we don't start the game well, which he can't do all the time, he rectifies it smartly and makes the right tactical call in there to, um, to shore it up for, for certain and yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's accelerated talk. I mean, people will say quadruple and everything. I think that's ridiculous. What we are seeing is, we, like you said earlier, um, top four looks fairly nailed on. We've won a trophy. I'm not saying that everything's a bonus from this point, but we're so far ahead of where we thought we were going to be that everything from now on feels like it's going to be an enjoyable ride. And yeah. I really feel like we're we're in a conversation now where he'll be talked about as one of the actual premium coaches in the world if things end well this season. You know, because obviously it's still two or three months to go in this season. It's still a bit of a period of time. Um, Gemma says, I, I had this weird notion I'd like to see Garnacho on the right side and cutting inside. Um, drinking, I think he said dribbling, uh, excites me. Maybe that's one thing. Uh, one thing I, I do want to say before we move on to Barcelona, I can't, 25 minutes, we've not even mentioned Barcelona yet. Um, I thought, and a lot of people were complaining about this, because it came out pretty early in the day that if United won, uh, I'm never one of those like county chickens, that if United won, um, Maguire and Fernandez were going to lift the trophy together. And a lot of people were complaining about this. I think, I, I just think, I think it was handled in the best way, the most classy way. Yeah, all right. Maguire's more than likely outgoing. Um, yes, Fernando's the de facto captain, but Maguire is the, the club captain. And, and United have still had to handle that in a classy way, and Tenag had to handle it in the classy way, you know, the best way that he could think of. So he's brought him on for the last few minutes. Notice that Maguire didn't take the armband, Fernandez kept it. And at the end of the game, They've lifted the trophy together. Um, it's really a fairly insignificant thing. It's more of how it looks. You know what I mean? It's not. Re- it doesn't add anything or detract anything from the the path of the club. But in terms of the feel of it, knowing that that's something that the manager and the players have had to sort of deal with together. I, I mean, I guess it's not really even worth commenting on, Paul. But I, I just think it was a classy touch to do it in that way. It made it easier because of the position the team was in. If Newcastle would. Been pinning it back to the, you know, pinning back to the wall. Then I don't think Harry Maguire would have come on. No, to be perfectly honest. Right. But because because the game the way it was and it was petering out because Newcastle just didn't have anything about them at all to even threaten any problems that United had were their own problems. They were causing their own problems to be honest. And he knew that he could bring him on, and that that made it easier for Harry Maguire to kind of go and do what he'd done. And yes. Yeah. In certain ways, I look at it and, yeah, I, I get what you're saying and it, it does make sense. I do think that for his own sake, if he wants to play for his country, he's going to have to move on. Yeah. Strange thing to say, you've got somebody who will play for his country because um, the England manager believes that he, you know, he sees him as he's won, but he's not good enough to play for his team. And I think if everyone has seen the two centre-halves that Manchester United have got, then they fully understand that he's not good enough to play for Manchester United. It's as simple as that. 
something that I think every a lot of people have said. He's got his fans, but I've always said that if Manchester United were always looking to win things and win the major trophies, Harry Maguire could never be in the team. It was never it was never going to happen, to be perfectly honest. And when you look at about stepping on, the two that I always used to criticise the most, Luke Shaw has been a phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenon, sorry. He's been yeah. absolutely incredible. I said, um, as I was with people last night after the game, chatting with them inside the stadium, and I turned around and said, when you look at performances of Luke Shaw um, since Ten Hag turned up, his performance now, when you talk about consistency, he's up to the level of Dennis Irwin. You actually know what you're going to get from Luke Shaw. You know yeah. what you're going to get, and then he gives you, and he gives you a bit more. But the, the thing about being a Dennis Irwin, though, is that when it, when it, when it's not good, it really, really shows up. Yeah. And and that and that's the difference. So Luke Shaw is, and this is me, by the way, Wayne. I think you might be getting it. This is me eating a massive load of humble pie. No, but, no, but, but I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to do that, Wayne, because the way the team's gone, if Manchester United, like under Ollie, were just winning games. I still would, as you know, I'd still be here and I'd still be very critical. Yeah. But now I'm seeing Manchester United winning, winning games, winning a trophy, but I'm seeing the football and I'm seeing the belief, I'm seeing the way they're playing, but the club can go on. Under Oli, they were winning games and there was this big chat about, oh, they're unbeaten, beaten away from home, but they were having to go 2-0 down to win 3-2. After a while, as a manager, you go, you've got to say there's something wrong. There's something wrong there. I'm not doing my job because my players are consistently doing it. That's what Sir Alex would have done. That's what Ten Hag would do. Ten Hag would take the plaudits going, oh, your team was showing character maybe twice at the most. But if you do it as many times as under Ollie, no. You you turn around and you're not doing your job as a manager because you're allowing your players to, in theory, treat themselves and, and, you know, and cheat the fans. Yeah. Uh, Patrick says, um, is there a tendency for human beings to overplay how bad or good things are in football? A year ago, it was it will take five years or United are a million miles off seeing Liverpool. You know, I think that's absolutely fair. It's like what we were saying earlier, that there was that talk, you know, that it'll take three years, but already the managers accelerated that. And I think the other thing to say is that I don't think it was that unreasonable to say that after we lost to Brighton at the back end of last season, and we had this conversation either last week or a couple of weeks ago, that it wasn't that unreasonable to say none of these players will be in a side that's going to... That after we lost to Brighton at the end of last season, that none of these players will be in a team that wins a trophy for United because United will be... You know, it's going to be a slow, slow build and slow progress. So nobody... And I don't think that was unreasonable to, to say that. I don't think anybody could have forecast... Um, just how quickly things would have been accelerated because the problems weren't to do with the quality of the players, it was to do with mentality of the club and the mentality of the dressing room and pretending <coughs> to have done that. Like, you know, maybe a large part of it has been what you were champion earlier in the season, Paul, where you were saying, no, play the best players all the time, get that routine that every game is important. And he's done that. And even when the games have been coming thick and fast, he's, he's not really made resting decisions. He's made, we're going to win this game of football and then we'll we'll focus on the resting afterwards. And, you know, he picked a strong side on, on Sunday, just as he did on Thursday night. Let's move on to Barcelona, Paul, because we're half an hour in. I've got to talk about Barcelona. Breathless performance. United got 1-0 uh, down. Um, 
Lewandowski scores the penalty. De Gea gets to it, um, but um, it goes in anyway. Again, good changes. He brings Anthony on. Um, Anthony plays really well. Um, Fred scores the equaliser right when United needed it. And then Anthony scores. It's his trademark finish, really, but it's a fantastic finish nonetheless. And, And really, yes, United went behind. I wouldn't go as far as to say we were in control of the game, but we weren't. There was none of the inferiority complex that you've seen. Like, you know, when we last played Barcelona a couple of years ago under Ollie, it felt like we were daunted to be on the same pitch as them. And this time it was aggressive, it was proactive. And yeah, all right, it wasn't perfect, but it was. They were muscling the decisions, they were, they were playing football, they were, they were inspired by the atmosphere. And and it was a great win and great performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that's that, that's down to the manager, though, isn't it? That's his experience of being in Europe and being managing at that time. He was managing a great club in Ajax, a well-respected club known all over the world, yeah. and he he had that run in Europe. And, and even though there was no one, they're a big club, a, a respected everything. All the good things are being said. They were still never seen as a threat to the bigger boys, Ajax is yeah, what they were. Yeah. So that kind of mentality he had, he has still brought that to Manchester United. The difference is, is that he's managing a big, big club and he's still got that in his head. He's still saying, right, I've got to carry that on because I'm at Manchester United, regardless of where this club is at the moment, when it comes to big games, they've still got to win them. And that's and that's the difference between him and Oli. Oli had, had the experience of, being a player, but he didn't have that experience of being a manager in those big games. And it does make a difference. You know, like we talked about just about before about about players and talking about their mentality of their first kind of final for Manchester, about dealing dealing with it the second time around, you'll be better. You have to be because you've done it before. Going for that second my time, that, that second opportunity to win a league we was better as a team than what we were the year before when we failed. Because yeah. if you if you go and fail again after doing what you've done and you fall at the same hurdle, then there's a problem. Yeah. People will blame the manager, but you have to look you have to look at the tools and, and they're the ones that let you down and that's the players. So when you look at that game, there was the players because because of continuity, and I know I use that word a lot, that's the reason why they got through that game. Everyone knows what everyone does. Everyone knows what they want to achieve. And they they know when you're playing for Manchester United, as they saw yesterday, there's no better feeling than winning those big games. Yeah. And at the end of it, you get a medal. You beat Barcelona. You'll get everything that goes with it. And you'll go into your next game in Europe, as, the, as they will do, and just kind of just go, wow. You, you, you just think it's there. It's there for you to go and grab. Yeah. It's just... I, I... It's amazing to see some of the weeks, some of the performances that we had at the back end of last season. So I've experienced a week like we just have. Um, and really just like, not just that, like since the World Cup, there's just been this wave of positivity of like, you know, good performances, good results. And like you said earlier, to watch a United team looking like it's a United team is a, it, it's not something to, to be taken for granted. So even it's, when there is things like... Week in, week out, Wayne. That's, that's the good bit. It's week in, week yeah. out. Yeah. So it's all the, the other things. Like when we lose a game, like we lost against Arsenal a few weeks ago, you're looking at it and saying, well, at least we lost in the right way. It's a lot easier to take on the stomach. Like a lot of people would have been complaining yesterday with Aaron Maguire, but I think 
in terms of diplomacy, the manager's handling it in the right way. And it's again another comment by Patrick. He says, I think back, and you've said this so many times, Paul, on this podcast, and not to blow smoke, but you have said it a lot. Um, I think back to Sir Alex saying it. The most important man in person in the club is the manager. I see more with Tenog. I was being a catalyst for the change we're seeing. Behind the scenes, he's very personable with the staff, friendly in and around the area. Um, always signs off press conferences, but we have to win. And yesterday he said, he said, didn't he? I love United so much, which is going to be a quote that is going to be used for him. And like you've said all the time, we finally got a manager managing. He's absolutely everything over the club he's managing at the moment. Um, right, preview the coming games, Paul. Uh, West Ham, so they've had a poor run. United are going to be on this high. I think um, I was worried yesterday that we'd see a flat performance after Barcelona because you play something like that, you get the atmosphere like that, and it's very difficult to sort of do it. But I think we managed that very well. So I think we'll probably manage it quite well against West Ham as well. Because you've got the manager who's got the right um, way to get into the player's mentality for that, even if he makes a few changes. Um, you know, he, he might make a few changes. West Ham in the Cup, they've been quite poor lately. But on Saturday, exploded with this late flurry of goals against Forest, And it looks a lot better than what it is. But obviously, it's a lot of uh, confidence for them coming into the game. And it makes it... Again, you know, after Newcastle being a good test after Barcelona, West Ham looking to pick up their form. It's a good test for United coming off a cup final, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was listening to people around me yesterday talking about, oh, they're going to be heavy-legged, and I hate it when people say that. Those players were on a high. They've just yeah. beaten Barcelona, deservedly so. They was on a high. And the last thing they needed, really, was to go from beat, beating Barcelona then going into maybe, say, going into a game 100% expected to win away from home and not not a buzz when you've yeah. had a massive buzz midweek as what they had against Barcelona. So so when I, no, I, my, my whole thing is if you start right, everything, you, everything you, you, you'll get energy, you'll get air into your lungs, your muscles will suddenly be ready to go again. And it's just about, it's a mental approach. And I don't know if Newcastle would be that, suddenly was thinking it was just going to happen because United are beating Barcelona. But I look at West Ham and I was there, I was there and I was actually watching the game this time rather than working. I got invited and I just stood in the commentary area just with Tony Gale and I watched the game from there. And West Ham were better. It was their best start this season at home. The way they come out, David Moyes, as, the, as all the fans say, didn't have the handbrakes on. You can see by the team he picked, it was a lot better than what it was against Spurs, where he made his mind up that he was trying his best to get um, not to concede. And they went, but everything was about... The first half was good. When they scored the first goal, as you could imagine, in that situation, there was like a sigh of relief. When they scored the second, there was a party. And when the, when they scored the third... West Ham had won the World Cup for England. The noise was incredible. So they're on a bit of a high, but David Moyes will think now, we've got that game, and the last couple of times they've, they've been, they've threatened a bit. They've had opportunities to get something at Old Trafford. They've, they've, you, know, they've, 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 you know, they've done well when they've gone there. They've kind of done, you know, done themselves justice. But I think David Moyes will be thinking more about Aston Villa. Yeah. You know, that's just... Um, 
everyone around me, you know, w would love it, I think, to, to have both together. But I think he'll look at that and think, I've, I've got that Nottingham Forest one. That was important to win that game, to score four is an added, is a bonus. And to, to win by that amount, I would have said, yes, they deserve it because Forest's a terrible away from home, as you know. So they'll make United will beat them because David Moyes is thinking, and I think you might see it by the team he puts out. If you saw if what he, if you look at the team he put out against um, Tottenham, you can see that. And then you think about this game. No, yeah. the, most, the most important game is Aston Villa away, and I think, and that's the way I think he that that team being picked. I think you will see that's more he's more concerned about his next Premier League game. Yeah. And well, for for Ten Hag, that would work nicely because he's probably going to make a couple of changes, thinking of Liverpool away at the weekend. Um, so, with that in mind, I mean Liverpool lost five two at home to Real Madrid, and oh my god, that game ran away from them really bad. They drew nil nil with Palace and were really disappointing there. Um, thankfully for United, I think because they've got Wolves at home this weekend, so you would think, all right, they'll they'll win. Not taking it for granted, maybe they'll win against Wolves, and it takes the sort of, you know, the monkey off the back in terms of like we need to win, bouncing back from um, the rail game, which kind of makes it easy if they do win against Wolves. Not that any United fan would want Liverpool to win, but it, you know what I mean. They might be a bit flatter for the the weekend game, you know, like um, <laughs> to welcome us to, Tra uh, to, to Anfield even. Um, They've had a difficult run this season. They've had a difficult run under Klopp. He's found it tough to sort of get them going to the standards that we know they're capable of. And a lot of people putting that down to the, the midfield ageing, um, to the loss of Mane, obviously a big loss um, in their attack. And perhaps the fact that, you know, that midfield were doing a lot of covering up for the defence, not quite being as good as what people made it out to be. Uh, a couple of errors in there as well. Allison's made a few boobs of late. Um, Liverpool, United is always a big game. United haven't won there for a while. Um, do you think that they can feel confident of continuing a great run and getting a result there? I've got, I've got to say yes. There, there can't be any. I mean, no, you can't. I can't think of any any reason why Manchester United don't go there and win. Every everything suggests they should win. To be perfectly honest. I suppose it's only going to be Sky TV or suddenly make Liverpool suddenly favourites um, the way they are about Liverpool. Sometimes what I've seen in recent weeks, but um, I look at it and I, I really can't say. I mean, I, I saw that Real Madrid. I, well, I tried to watch it, but when I saw them score one, I, you know, I kind of went, "Oh, here we go." And and when they scored the second, that's when I flipped the TV off. It was only my boy. Who shouted down to me and say? Who shouted down to me? And I kind of went, "Oh no, here we go." Then he said to me, "They've got one back." And as soon as I saw them, them get it was two all. Then I flipped the telly back over again. But um, but you know that they're going to make they'll make that game as horrible as possible. It's a, it's a new trend now to send fireworks up outside hotels, the booing, everything else that goes on to make it as hostile hostile as possible. So um. They're going to make it, doesn't matter, regardless if they win, lose or draw against Wolves. The most important thing is for Manchester United not to win at Anfield because if Manchester United win at Anfield, that could be the time when they do ask Klopp to go. Yeah, well, you never know. That's a big call. That It does feel like 
a bit of a stick and twist with that, doesn't it? Because I, I you know, personally, we're talking about great managers earlier. You know, I'm saying Ten Hag's in that discussion for for best in the world at the moment. Klopp still is still one of the best managers, but it's a difficult position when you're in um, a position that he's in, asked to turn it around and regalvanize everything. I think they made a few errors United have made in the past. You know, perhaps they've given a couple of contracts that they shouldn't have awarded Salah. Perhaps it considering Liverpool's financial position, that it might have been better cashing in on him uh, in the way that they did with Coutinho a few years ago, you know, and, and sort of revitalising that front line in that respect. Because Salah, he's a great player, but he's fairly one-dimensional. You know, you, you know what he's going to do. It's diff- very difficult to stop him doing what he does, but he doesn't do anything different than cutting and score on the left. Do you know what I mean? He's not, he's not going to move dynamically through the middle of the park or anything. Um, it does feel like I'm not saying that I'm expecting United to go and win there because it's Anfield. But it does feel like a fairly momentous game that United can go there and play well and perhaps really make it miserable for them. But the thing about it, Wayne, with this time, you, you just think about the key you think about the key players and you'd look at it, um, you'd look at the two centre halves and they're not going to be phased by the atmosphere that Liverpool are going to try and put up. Yeah. C- Casemiro that's that's not going to bother him in the slightest, in the slightest at all. That atmosphere that they're going to throw up and make it nasty. Um, Veghorst, I don't think anything scares him anyway. To be perfectly honest, he's another one who was an unsung hero yesterday as well. well he, he was but, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, let's give yeah. him credit for that. He was. Yeah. But Barcelona was a different different one from the game. Was different. It wasn't. That wasn't really where you needed a player like him. But he still, as everything you say, he gives a hundred percent, and he's given everything that. The manager was looking for him from him when he brought him in, but I, don't, I think these players what they won't it won't phase them at all going there. To be perfectly honest, I think the way everything's set up and the way the manager is, I will say one bit that got me riled and I reacted to it was there was a certain person who was having a go at the manager because he was um, trying to t- trying to dance South American with two players. And he tried to have a go at him. What is what is he doing as a Manchester United manager? That same person would have a go at him if he had stood there on the side and was just soaking up the atmosphere on his first season in Man- at Manchester United. He's won a trophy. He wouldn't yeah. even be allowed to do that. I think you know the gentleman, or not going to say gentleman, you know the idiot I'm talking about. Didn't I you? don't have missed it. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'll tell you, let me give you his initials. It could be difficult. Let me tell you that the first initial is P... And the second one is M. Right, okay. Okay. And all he wants to do is, like, really, in theory, lick a certain part of the person's body who used to play for Manchester United. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing that a manager, and yes, he is Manchester United's manager, but he was there, he was enjoying a moment which he never expected. And the yeah. thing about it... It was great to see players enjoying winning the League Cup. Yeah. Because I hate these people who want to criticise it um, because they, because they, everyone's just thinking. I was getting involved with the big, the big two, but there's only there's only a few trophies. Everyone talks as there's a there's a hundred trophies to go and win. In theory, there's only there's only four trophies to win. Yeah. To win one of the four out of so many teams in the country. Is, is an incredible, and I, I will not dismiss that competition because it's my first domestic. 
I should have had two of them, but we lost the second time around to Villa. But those players enjoyed it. Those players who have come from overseas enjoyed that moment of winning a trophy. And I think they get it and they see a different atmosphere to what it is maybe back home or where they come from. I'd love to ask those kind of questions to the Casemiro's, to the Anthony, to all of them about winning that trophy. Where is it? Where is where is where does that relate to in your in your country or where you come from? of winning and how would the reaction be from the fans and those players also Manchester United players haven't enjoyed themselves they never they never enjoyed that moment winning the League Cup under Jose Mourinho no absolutely really, not. you know even even the Europa Cup they weren't into it as, that way so um, if United were to go and win the Europa Cup then we'll see a difference you don't dismiss anything the Europa Cup will become the UEFA Cup because it's getting more and more difficult to win that one. That is a difficult difficult tournament to win. Maybe more difficult than the Champions League, because the Champions League is all about money. Yeah. Um, well, those games are coming thick and fast, and next week we'll be reviewing Liverpool and also previewing the Real Betis game. That's how quickly the, the games are coming. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's that positive feeling that's so good at the club at the moment. Everything feels good. You love the team and the way that they were connected afterwards, the way that they were celebrating. And like you said there, Varane and Casemiro in particular leading the celebrations like, and these are multiple Champions League winners and they were celebrating like it was their first. And that is a massive, massive lesson for the rest of the squad. And you know, because of the manager, that they will learn from it and hopefully it will be the catalyst for even better performances, you know, like like we were saying earlier. But there, there, there are little things to be grumbling about when you've won a cup final, but the decision-making, like you've said, you know, with the likes of um, Fernandez not passing right at the end, that those kind of things will change. And you get the feeling that they will do because of the the quality and the unity within the squad. Hopefully, Paul, we're here next week talking about United winning at Anfield because that would round off an absolutely epic few weeks for United. Um, incredible week in the history of the club. And um, I'm just delighted that on Monday morning I get to talk about it with you. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please um, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching re- the replay, say hello and comment. We do reply to the comments. If you're listening back to the audio podcast as well, be sure to subscribe and, and leave us a nice review on the platform you're listening on. And it always makes us feel better, or me feel better at least. Um, Until next week, guys, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.